You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Kremenjas. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode, like always, I think it's going to be a very fun one. But before we dive into all of that, just wanted to let you guys know that NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson do host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now that we got that out of the way, I got a special guest for you guys. I've been on his show a couple of times. It's now time to actually turn the tables and uh, introduce my guy, the owner of LAFB Network, Los Angeles Football Network, my guy, Ryan Dirud. How are you doing, brother? What's up, Big Sos? Happy to have you be on. I'm starting to get a little worried. I've had you on a few times, and I'm like, when am I, when am I going to be on this guy's show? So, No, I'm kidding. Though. I'm happy to join you though and talk some Rams football. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. And um, I want to say that you were on here that predated me with uh, Brad or, you know, as the listeners know him as Bear. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, I was on a few times uh, with good old Bear. So, yeah, that's true. There you go. So so the the listeners know this is uh, just a, a, you know, a comeback for you, I guess. So um, (laughs) it's going to be a fun episode like we always have here. And um, on this one, we have to discuss some interesting things. Obviously, we're going to talk more about the draft class. It's kind of going to be the you know, the big topic for the next few weeks, I'm assuming, before we start to get into all the other stuff, the roster stuff. And not only that, but there is some interesting news that came out of, well, not necessarily Green Bay today, but the betting markets in Green Bay. And uh, so I kind of want to look at the NFC as a whole, but we're going to begin with the draft class first. And the listeners that listened to yesterday's podcast, they heard me talk about, and I mean, through every podcast over the last week and a half, just my general opinion and ideas uh, in terms of the draft class, what the Rams came away with in the 2021 NFL draft and the direction that general manager Les Snead decided to take, obviously. And, you know, I think I'm probably one of the more optimistic, maybe more overly, you know, positive type of people. And so, you know, I see the good side of what they came away with in this draft. Now, uh, when you look at it, Ryan, kind of what is your opinion when you just look at, you know, the names that they came away with maybe, uh, I know a lot of the fans are obviously questioning the draft right now. A lot of fans on Twitter were very frustrated uh, with some of the guys that the Rams drafted, thinking that you know some guys were maybe reaches, not getting certain positions addressed like center and so forth. So what do you think of just the draft class in general and the direction that Les Snead took in this draft? Yeah, well, you were on my show just you know a week or so ago, and we were talking this exact thing, and I'm sure many people have. And it's funny because you see kind of two sides. I feel like nationally a lot of national media, national analysts are, I don't want to say hammering the Rams, but definitely saying this is one of the poor draft classes uh, in the NFL. And then locally you have kind of two sides. You have the absolutely horrible and then like, Oh no, I can see what they're doing. And you know, I, I, I trust their judgment. And I think you and me are fairly similar in the stance that uh, I'm on the, the form or the ladder, if you will, that I, I can see it. Like I, I think there were definitely picks that at the time I scratched my head about, you know, right when the two, two Atwell pick was, was selected, I was like, hmm, okay, you know, there were some other receivers on the board that I thought maybe would have been better, uh, not necessarily better fits, but better, you know, just talent-wise, where they were at the position mm-hmm. at 57. Um, when they took Ernest Jones in the third round, the very next pick, I thought, okay, you know, there's some backers that could maybe go side of the sideline better, were better in coverage, which they really didn't have last year. Um, but as I kind of 
sat back and, and let it digest, it really just felt that Snead and McVeigh were getting their guys. Like, you know, let's be real, these GMs could give a rip about, you know, what us on Twitter or the fans really <laughs> want. They have their board and who they think fits with what they want to do. And to me, this class was like the cosmos of their guys that fit what they want. You know, they got Tutu, they needed a burner. They got Deshaun Jackson, but he's, you know, I don't want to say a liability, but we don't know how his health is going to be. He's only on a one-year deal, so now Tutu is their guy that can come in and be their burner for the future. Sean McVay gets his juice that he talked about a lot last year lacking, and now he has that for the future. And, you know, here's a guy that had like 1,300 yards his, uh, in 2019. So it's a guy that can receive the ball a lot too, not just be a, a one- or two-touch guy per game if necessary. Um, Ernest Jones, I know me and you talked a little bit about about it. So, you know, a little bit of a liability in coverage has a little trouble shedding blocks when it, when it gets crowded in there, but he does have a very good nose for the football, good GPS. He could pair well if Trevin Howard's healthy, who can do kind of the opposite stuff that he does. So it seems like just a fit they wanted. And, you know, I don't need to go down a list of every guy, but it just seems like every pick kind of filled a void of what they lost. They picked Robert Rochelle, who's a really freakish athlete corner that kind of fills that void of, of Troy Hill leaving. Um, they get a guy like Ernest Brown, who, you know, not a lot known about him, but he, he can play in that defensive line, excuse me, where they lost, uh, you know, Morgan Fox and, and uh, uh, Michael Brockers and Bobby Brown, who was taken before that was probably my favorite pick of the whole draft just because of his versatility and what he does. So um, long answer, longer. So, so I just, I think it's a, it's a draft class that obviously every year we won't know until we see them on the field, but they seem like they just got their guys and didn't listen to the the big boards of all these analysts and where guys fit it was just guys that they thought fit their system and their schemes I totally agree you know I thought you did a really good job of breaking that down for sure and it makes sense because that's kind of the trend that they've had you know dating back to 2017 when Sean McVay was hired obviously and Les Snead was working hand in hand with him to go get their guys and you know a lot of people question a lot of those picks over the last four five drafts mm-hmm. you know Cooper Cup a little bit too slow they said or John Johnson who is this guy in the third round seems a little rich and you know ultimately they've come away with a lot of good players and that's kind of the thing that I view this draft class as is obviously no first round pick so they're not going to be able to compete with some of the other draft classes and you mentioned it you know the national media doesn't necessarily put that into context or in you know into the proper perspective it's just kind of like let's compare the Jaguars draft class and the Jets and the Rams and the Seahawks. Well, the Seahawks have three picks. How are they going to have a draft class that's, you know, akin to what the Jaguars have where they're picking number one overall in every single round? It's obviously not going to be as good. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think the Rams did a really good job of addressing maybe not needs right now, but that's kind of the point of the draft is that you aren't getting finished quality products right now. These are rookies that you want to develop over the course of their you know, rookie contracts, which is typically four years or five years if you are a first round pick. And so while, you know, they do need a center right now, maybe they don't need, you know, a wide receiver right now. You mentioned it, Deshaun Jackson in one year, probably going to be gone, maybe going to retire. And then you look at the speed component at wide receiver, the Rams would be right back to where they were last season because they wouldn't have any speedsters Mm -hmm. on the roster. And, you know, that's kind of why they pre-prepare with guys like Tutu Atwell. And so, you know, I think we kind of align in those um, thoughts there with this sense that, you know, they came away with a pretty solid draft class. We don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, like you mentioned, we need to wait to see how they perform on the field to actually get an idea for how these guys are going to play. That's going to be a good segue to go into the next segment with when we take a look at the future, we're going to kind of look at the past actually and look at, you know, three years down the line, 
talk about which guys we think are actually going to stand out the most from this draft class. Maybe someone that we think is going to be ultimately thought of as overdrafted. And then in the final segment, we're going to dive into the NFC odds and talk about why the Rams may actually be at the top of the list to represent the NFC in the NFC championship game. Hey Rams fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, if you text now, they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the second segment of this Wednesday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. I am your host, Sosa Kremendous, and I'm joined by my guy, Ryan Darude of LAFB Network. And we talked about the general thoughts of the draft class in the first segment. But now we're going to kind of pivot into, you know, a look into the future. And that's typically how you're going to have to, you know, view these draft classes and grade them ultimately is how are they going to do over the span of, you know, not only their rookie contracts, but throughout the rest of their career? Because while fans might not see eye to eye with a front office, you know, at the time, two, three, four years down the line, these guys have a plan for why they drafted certain guys. They know that they can develop certain players, whereas fans don't really look at it like that. So when we look back in three years, Ryan, who do you think is going to be out of this 2021 draft class that the Rams had? you know, maybe the most impactful rookie when we look back at it, or even on the other side of the coin, maybe someone that we ultimately think ends up being, you know, overdrafted. So can I, can I break it down into the most impactful rookie and then the most impactful player three years from now, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the most impactful rookie will be, uh, I think it's gonna be Bobby Brown on the defense just because of the depth that they lost in free agency. As I already mentioned, Michael Brock is being traded, Morgan Fox leaving, his size, his versatility, he can play the nose if he needs to. He can play the three or the five tech. Um, he was really just not, I don't want to say incorrectly utilized, but he wasn't used to his perfect skill set at Texas A&M. And I think with Eric Henderson, um, who I'm going to name drop, I texted him after the draft and he was just like stoked to get this kid. And if we can really get his full potential, he thinks he can be super dominant. So I think he'll be a guy that can be an impactful guy right away. And we look back three years from now and say, Dan, that was a good pick. And he, you know, they got him on, you know, day three of the draft and he was able to have that kind of an impact early on. And I'm not saying he's gonna have a huge sack total, but a guy that is a rum stuffer can cause disruption in the backfield, have some tackles for loss, um, but just have a really good rookie campaign and have a really good impact. And obviously playing alongside a guy like Aaron Donald, that, that helps you out a little bit. So I think he'll be able to be groomed into slowly, but can be really impactful early on. When I look forward to three years and I say, okay, in this three year stretch, who is now the most impactful player on this Rams team. I'm going to look at a guy like Jacob Harris, tight end slash wide receiver out of UCF, who just a freak athlete. As we mentioned, that seems to be the theme of this class for a lot of these guys. Uh, Great size, jump ball capability, great special teamer, but again, so much untapped potential. So if they're able to really hone in on exactly what they want him to do, we could see in three years him being like, I'm not saying the number one receiver of the team, but a guy that is going to get you these six, seven, 800 yards, five, six, seven touchdowns. And you think, man, here's another guy we got in the fourth round, day three of the draft. And he's a guy that's, you know, an impact every single week in the red zone or on special teams, or just a guy that we use uh, in that third and 13 situation. We just throw it up Hail Mary style and hope someone can go get it. And he's a guy that can do that. So 
I could talk about a lot of guys that I'm excited about. I'm like you. I'm always a glass half full. So I have a hard time looking at these kids that just fulfilled their dreams and breaking them down and saying that they're going to be a bust. I always see the the bright side of it. But those are two that I'm like, okay, here's a guy that's going to have an impact in 2021. And then Jacob Harris, who I don't think will be that utilized this year, but three years from now, I think we'll say, man, that pick out turned really good. You know what? I'm going to call an audible and I'll follow along those lines. I'm, you know, the same way. I don't want to trash these guys before they even play. They're young kids who, you know, are seeing their dreams through. So that's always good. So I'll do the same thing. I think the most impactful rookie, and this is probably going to be weird because there is no clear path to him playing much, is going to be Tutu Atwell mm-hmm. because, you know, I think his impact is going to be just much larger than what we actually see in terms of these stats. And I, you know, I talked about that even on your podcast is when we look back in three years, I'm quite confident that, you know, Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver that went after Tutu Atwell, probably going to have a lot more receiving yards. And we're all going to be talking about, oh, the Rams could have took this guy. He's a better player. Look at the stats and this and that. And it makes sense. But at the same time, the Rams need Atwell to do different things than they need, you know, Van Jefferson to do or Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. And so I think the addition of Atwell is really going to help one mask the maybe inefficiencies of the offensive line because we know they don't have a center now or are going to have a new center and not mm-hmm. Austin Blythe returning. And not only that, but I think he's going to obviously, you know, help the vertical game. He's obviously very fast, can run a lot of routes, can make big plays down the field, but also I think he's going to help the running game. And, you know, that's all going to be done by the way of jet motion, a lot of decoy style of usage, fixing up those gaps in the front kind of throwing off the front seven of the defense in terms of their gap responsibilities, helping the offensive line by run blocking and by being a decoy in that jet motion style of stuff. So I think his impact is going to be much larger, you know, than these statistics would indicate, at least as a rookie and probably the next two or three years, depending on when he can finally just be a full time 60 play a game type of receiver, if he ever is that. And I think that's why he's likely going to make the biggest impact. I did really like your choice too of Bobby Brown though. And in terms of looking back, you know, in three years, and so, so who we quick, might, if I can cut in, yeah. I know it's your show. I hate to cut you off, but the beauty no, of two Outwell, the beauty of him, all he needs to do is have that one play and hopefully it's in week one, but that one play where he gets behind the safeties and burns him for a six yard touchdown. And now all of a sudden he's on the chalkboard every week for these defenses to say, okay, this is a guy we have to look out for. So all he needs is that one play. And like you said, that may, that stat may not show up week in and week out but he's going to be circled on every defensive chalkboard of a guy. They need to double. They need to keep a safety way deep back. So that then you have Robert Woods and Cooper cup open over the middle. So yeah, I agree with you. He could absolutely have a huge impact and it won't even show up every week. That's 100%. And you look at a guy like Matthew Stafford. I mean, last year, obviously Kenny Galladay gets hurt, only plays in four games. Marvin Jones kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit, a lot of injuries in that wide receiver core. I mean, they were signing guys like Muhammad Sanu off the street and they were starting a week later he made magic with a guy like Marvin Hall and Marvin Hall doesn't even have a job right now. So as you can imagine, you know, if Marvin Hall's making, you know, 50, 60, 70 yard catches, 70 yard touchdowns down the field with Matthew Stafford, can you imagine what a guy like Tutu Atwell is going to be? Like you said, just get vertical, get open, get any kind of separation. And Matthew Stafford is not going to be, you know, hesitant to uncork that thing. He's going to give you a shot to go get it. So it's going to be very fun to watch. Obviously now looking back, you know, in three years who I think could be one player that we look at, and talk about, wow, this guy really developed pretty quickly and into quite a quality football player. I'm going to go with another fourth-round pick, the one right before Jacob Harris, and that's Robert Rochelle, the cornerback from Central Arkansas. This guy is super intriguing to me. He is the exact style of pick, like Harris, that you want to take you know, on day three. You want a moldable piece of clay, a guy who's super, super athletic. We're talking about you know, in the upper echelon, the top five percentile of 
corners that have ever tested at the combine or at their pro days. That's how good of an athlete this guy is. So much explosion. He's got good size, good frame, relatively long arms. Um, he's got the background of playing wide receiver. And I think it very much shows up on the tape. You can see, you know, by the way that he attacks the football and not only that, but when the ball is in the air, he's not one of those guys that's going to get nervous and go attack a receiver, you know, uncalled for, and then get a lot of these PI flags. He's actually going to go play the ball and not the man. And I think that's one of the things that's very intriguing about his skill set is that he's good, you know, throughout the course of a play as a cornerback, but when the ball is coming towards him, kind of turns into like that Darius Williams style of player where he's not happy just batting it away. He's going to try to go make a play on that ball. And I think the Rams have not only proven that, you know, they can develop corners. I mean, you look at all the names that they've gotten paid, the Troy Hills, the Darius Williams, Jalen Ramsey comes in and has that resurgent kind of, you know, season where he's now the best corner in football again, after what was kind of a tough last season bouncing between the Jaguars and the Rams. So, you know, they've obviously earned their right and their stripes to develop these corners. And so, I think Rochelle could be definitely one of the guys that we look back at in a couple of years and talk about, wow, you know, how did the Rams get this guy at, you know, where they got him in the round four and uh, how did he develop so quickly into a starting quality cornerback in football? And that's where we're going to end it off in this segment. And we are going to transition to in the final segment, talking about the odds that the Rams have going into the NFC this season. And while we've got you, make sure to keep checking back in with us here at the Locked on Rams podcast throughout the next week. We're going to continue our fun draft coverage as well as talking about the roster of the Rams going into next season. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. With that being the case, I've been looking for the best protein bar on the market and I finally found one called the Built Bar and I promise you guys, this bar is unmatched and cannot be competed with on the market. I've tried everything you can imagine. None of them have as many flavors as the Built Bar has, and the texture is honestly out of this world. Obviously, not only that, but they're super delicious. They have nine different flavors. You can package the box however you please. The bars are also healthy. They're low in calories. They're low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you if you are on a keto diet. You'll even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, why is it Tebow time in Jacksonville? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Wednesday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for making it this far into the episode. And now Ryan and I are going to transition away from the draft talk. We've talked enough about the draft. We're going to continue that stuff, you know, throughout the rest of the week and going forward. But I got to ask you now, Ryan, and according to our friends and one of our sponsors at Bet Online, I look at the odds here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are obviously the favorite in the NFC to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl you know, plus 300, but right after them, the Los Angeles Rams, and they are tied with the San Francisco 49ers 
for plus 650 odds. And then after them, Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints, and Seattle Seahawks. There came some news today, kind of, you know, one of the sports betting books talking about Aaron Rodgers potentially retiring prior to this season and the favorites on the odds actually being that he does retire. And that's obviously a huge bombshell because, I mean, it changes the landscape of the NFC. We've seen firsthand what Aaron Rodgers can do to a defense last year in that divisional game in Green Bay in Lambeau Field. And so pretty insane to think that the Rams are now right back to where they were maybe in that 2018 season where they are one of the favorites in the NFC to go represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I mean, if you put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers aside, you put the Green Bay Packers aside right now, because I mean, it's a huge question mark. We don't really know what's going on with them. How do you kind of look at where the Rams fall in this NFC playoff picture right now? Do you think that the Rams are the favorite? Do you think there's another team that you think could creep up, maybe grab that next spot? Or do you think that, you know, it's a little bit too early to tell and there could be, you know, some teams up at the top there, the Rams could be in play as one of them, but um, I kind of just want to get your opinion on where you think the Rams stand in terms of their Super Bowl window, which they obviously thought was open when they went and made the move for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, it's still just crazy to me to think that we could see an MVP quarterback retire the year after his MVP. I mean, that could be the Packers just playing so much hardball. They don't want to see him play for someone else. And they'll say, okay, we'll just let you retire, even though we could get four first round picks for you, which would be silly mm-hmm. them not to do. But, um, you know, I, I think the Rams are, it, it's hard because I, I see them as definitely a, a favorite right behind the Buccaneers. But what mm-hmm. makes it hard for them is their division is so incredibly hard. Like, I don't even know if it's possible with seven teams not making the playoffs, but all four of those teams are good enough to make the playoffs in their division. The Cardinals are the biggest wild card, but on paper, they have such a good roster. Their biggest wild card, honestly, is their coach. Is Kingsbury actually the real deer? Can he actually get them over the hump? Because they have the pieces in place, minus maybe a little bit of offensive line, but because of what Kyler Murray does at quarterback, he kind of masks that a little bit. But they have the pieces all over the field to be one of the top football teams. The Niners, I, I don't I don't see them being on par with the Rams, at least in the offseason right now, just because they do have question marks at quarterback. They're, you know, they guys are getting back healthy, but you're getting star players coming off of key injuries that they may not be themselves for a little bit. You know, Joey Bosa or not Joey, but uh, his brother Nick Bosa coming Nick, off yeah. the ACL injury. We don't know if he's gonna be, you know, a, a sack machine right off the bat. So I'm not willing to say they're tied with the Rams in terms of odds, but you know, the odds makers are a lot smarter than I am. But one team that intrigues me though, so so a lot, and it doesn't get talked about, and rightfully so, you know, they went seven and nine last year, but made the playoffs is Washington. Uh, you know, they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick in the offseason, who, you know, is like 55 years old, but he always makes games interesting. He always keeps them close. Uh, you know, the true gunslinger of the definition. But that defense, that front seven, they they uh helped out their secondary a little bit in the offseason, adding, you know, Curtis Samuel to the receiving core as a burner. I mean, it's an intriguing roster that, you know, took Tampa to the brink last year in the playoffs with a XFL quarterback starting for them. And now they have a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick that is not a guy that you would expect to be a, a Super Bowl, you know, proponent to a team, but he does give them experience, does give them leadership and, uh, and gives them, you know, he doesn't get hurt either really. So as long as they kind of ride it out with them, I think they're a team to watch for that probably no one's talking about, but. They're a team that with that defense, if they can get any sort of steady play on offense, they could be a force to be reckoned with. So I'm not saying they're as good as the Rams, but that's the team to me, just because the Saints, you know, we don't know how Jameis Winston's going to be. He should be the starter, but obviously they have Taysom Hill too. But I mean, Jameis Winston, I think will be the day one starter, but who knows how he's going to look. I think he will be pretty good, but you know, that's just a question mark there. 
Uh, and then, you know, the, the obviously the NFC North is just a mess. Who's starting for the Bears? Is it going to be uh, Andy Dalton? Are they going to roll with Justin Fields? Minnesota, I think, is going to be a much better team than last year, who had a historically bad defense for their standards. But uh, there's still, you know, question marks there. But I think they will be better. But I think the Rams are the favorite aside from Tampa. But that division, having to play those teams six times, is just such a gauntlet to really get there. I think once they get to the playoffs, though, that's when they'll really shine. But they, they could end up being, you know, a five seed again, even though they are such a good team just because they play those teams six times. I totally agree. And, you know, at the end of the day, hey, man, five seeds, that'll work. You look at the Bucks last year, yeah. they were the sixth seed, weren't they? I and think they so. got to the Super Bowl. So, yeah. you know, you don't got to necessarily win that division. You just got to find a way to get in. And whoever's hot, obviously, at the end of the year, usually has a pre- and obviously whoever is healthy has a pretty good totally. chance to get that far. And, you know, you touched on some of the teams that I think I agree with that, you know, could be low-key a problem. Um, obviously, the the Washington football team, I mean, outside of quarterback, they might have the best roster in football. Like, that's how good that team is. Maybe some quarterback questions, some offensive line questions, and we don't know if they can take that jump from, you know, seven-win team to dominant, and mm-hmm. that's obviously a big question mark for them. Talked about the Saints, obviously, quarterback question marks. That is the most important position, and we have no idea what they're going to feel there. Uh, you look at the Green Bay Packers quarterback questions. Um, obviously, the NFC West, I think everyone here is going to be a player. You talked about that as well. The team that particularly scares me there is the 49ers. But again, quarterback question marks. Are they going to go with Jimmy G? Are they going to let him start You know, half the year, the full year? Is Trey Lance, when he eventually starts, going to be immediately ready as a rookie quarterback to drag a team to a Super Bowl or you know far into the playoffs? That's a lot to ask of a rookie. You know, You look at some of the other teams that, Again, a lot of question marks. The quarterback questions for the Chicago Bears. You know, obviously some other teams in the NFC, not that good. The one team I think that you once again mentioned that I thought could be a very low-key contributor and a potential problem for everyone in the NFC is the Minnesota Vikings. And um, they were decent last year, you know, solid. And Mm -hmm. the defensive side of the ball, like you mentioned, was pretty damn bad, which is very, very uncharacteristic of a Mike Zimmer-led defense. But then you look at, you know, their two cornerbacks, Jeff Gladney and um, Cam Dantzler now going into their second season. The addition of Patrick Peterson. You look at Anthony Barr coming back from injury. Daniel Hunter coming back from, I think it was an opt-out. Mm-hmm. Michael Pierce coming back from an opt-out. Adding Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, so many additions on that defensive side of the ball that I think that defense is going to take a huge step forward. Even if from, you know, that bottom two, bottom three defense that they were last year to an average defense, that should be enough to catapult them in what's kind of a questionable NFC North right now. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers are the title holders of that division, but who knows what's going on there with Aaron Rodgers. And so that kind of ties back into where we started. And I think the Rams are the clear favorite, obviously, outside of Tampa Bay and with the question mark that is the Green Bay Packers right now. Matthew Stafford is probably the most stable quarterback in the NFC, you know, after Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, these guys, maybe Dak Prescott, but I think the Rams probably have some of the least questions when it comes to their roster compared to some of these other teams. You look at, you know, a lot of their players are returning. Obviously, some losses on the defensive side of the ball. Again, Brandon Staley taking off and departing. That's obviously a huge concern, too. But the Rams still have Aaron Donald. They still have Jalen Ramsey on that side of the ball. They still have Darius Williams. A lot of young players that they invested into that can step up in these positions that, you know, they lost guys at. John Johnson, for example. And ultimately... I trust Sean McVay. I think Sean McVay is going to have a good plan to take this team back to where they want to be. And, you know, again, it really all relates to the health at the end of the day. If they can stay healthy, I think they've got a good shot, as good a shot as anybody else in the NFC to represent the NFC in the NFC championship game, or at least one of the teams in that game. 
and potentially a Super Bowl championship, ultimately getting their way and buying their way to a Super Bowl appearance. So, you know, it's kind of far away. It's a little bit, you know, early for us to talk about this. Obviously, there's still a lot of offseason left, still preseason, a whole season. And so, you know, we'll kind of talk about that later. But it is fascinating just to talk about because of the Aaron Rodgers news. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. My man, Ryan, I appreciate you for joining me. Why don't you take a second here to kind of plug, you know, where everyone can find you? Because like me, I know you're all over the place. Yeah, dude. Well, hey, appreciate you having me on. Absolute honor, obviously, listen to uh, the show all the time. So appreciate your work. You always do a great job. But uh, everyone can find me on Twitter at Ryan Dybrood, LAFB. Uh, like Sosa mentioned, we are uh, we host the LA Football uh, Network. Uh, it's LAFBnetwork.com. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're basically everywhere you listen to podcasts, LA Football Podcast. My co-host is a former NFL player, Frosty Rockers. We have a lot of fun just getting into uh, some great conversations. And he kind of enables us to peel the, the the layers back and get kind of behind the scenes look at how the stuff works out. So LA football podcast, LAFBnetwork.com and Ryan Dyrid LAFB on Twitter. So thanks so appreciate you, man. Always my man. Make sure guys to go check out Ryan's work. I'm telling you guys, it's going to be worth your time. One of the best follows on Twitter when it comes to Rams football and just LA football in general. I know a lot of you guys are UCLA fans, USC fans and stuff. And uh, so it's nice to keep it local in that area. Now, for you guys, make sure to keep checking back in with us here at the Locked On Rams podcast. We're going to continue our episodes throughout the week. We're going to continue talking about the 2021 draft class, some undrafted free agents, as well as the rest of the roster. And just a reminder, you can come connect with us on Twitter at QBZMVP and at Locked On Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.